As you're turning there, I'm so excited to be able to share and speak with you here this morning. I believe that God has something great and dynamic for each and every one of us. And uh, my prayer is, is that beyond all the music, beyond all the sound, beyond uh, any lights or air conditioning or lack thereof, <laughs> that, uh, that you would allow the Word of God to transform you. Listen, this, this is why we come here. We come here for the Word of God. I know that you come for even many times for fellowship, and you, you come because it's a great gathering, a great setting to be able to come. I, I love singing. I love worshiping the Lord, and I love seeing each and every one of you. But to be very honest, I come because I need my mind transformed. I, I just do. I need my mind transformed. And so don't think for a second because I come behind the pulpit that, oh, that pastor, he's got it all together. No, my mind is being transformed even as I'm speaking to you. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. And so I, I want to challenge you here that you would come not for the shaking of hands, although that's great, not for the singing of songs, although that's powerful, but that you would come because you say, God, I want to be more like you. Transform my mind and do whatever you got to do. Construct me, build me. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them you're being built. Come on, shake a few hands if you have to. Tell them you're being built. Then you may be seated. Builders Unlimited. Brother Art and Greg Diaz are part of our church. They've been a part of our church for years, and they have a construction company called Builders Unlimited. So if uh, you needed your house, your kitchen, or if you want a Walmart built, these guys, they build it. I'm not kidding. They build everything. They really do, from houses to stores uh, to drainage. I mean, they do everything. They, they did the other side over there, the whole A Street building. They rebuilt that whole thing. And uh, so it's, uh, I, as I was getting prepared with this message, I was just thinking about Art, Art and Greg. I was just thinking about them. Unless the builders build the house, the laborers labor in vain. Some time ago here in Hayward, if you live in this area, particularly in the downtown area, they just put together this thing called the Hayward Loop. How many of you guys love the Hayward Loop? <laughs> How many of you, you can't stand this Hayward Loop? Oh, my gosh. I'm not bringing the mayor over here. <laughs> well, I remember when this Hayward Loop was being built, and actually still many things all over Hayward are still being built. You turn on one street, and all of a sudden there's a construction zone. They're like, oh, man. You know, you got to wait for the other one to come by. you got to wait and go over here. You see all these signs. I mean, after once, there's one sign letting you know that there's another sign ahead. I mean, it's just like all over the place. Well, I remember when I was driving here on A Street, and if you're familiar with A Street, when you drive up, you used to be able to drive all the way up past Foothill. Well, going from Mission to Foothill, no more. You can't do that. It becomes a one-way. And so I remember one time, I, was re I read the sign, because actually they started it, at like, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning when they let everybody know, don't drive that way. So I was driving around that time. I remember it distinctly because I saw the construction workers uh, uh, removing other signs and putting another sign there to let them know, don't drive up. Well, as I was driving, I saw it. I go, oh, I, I better turn and make this right. 
Now, for those of us that are in cons- the, the construction signs and the, or the zones, I should say, and you're kind of getting familiar with it, you kind of like, you drive a little slower. You're like, okay, wait, is this, am I going the right way? And as I was turning, I'll never forget, I just saw a car see green and kept going. The vroom, I was like, oh, man. I was like, should I get out my phone? Am I going to record something? Is there going to be a disaster? What's going to take place here? I just remember the car going. Now, they passed, and they got out of my line of sight, but I remember hearing the horns, you know, because somebody else was coming down, and it was like, man, what is going on here? When there's construction going on, there are so many different things that are taking place at the same, at the same time. You got to read this sign. You got to look at this light. You got to make sure, okay, where's the orange? They got orange spray painted over here. Okay, don't go. They're making a lane now. Okay, hold on. What's going on? Uh, there's cones. Okay, are the cones for this side or are they for that side? Because there's, when there's construction going on, there's a lot of things taking place. It's not just one thing, but it's many things. Here this morning, I want to take a look at you and I, that God is doing something and building something in us, and for whether you know it or not, but there's a lot of different facets taking place at the same time, but it's all for one goal, to build you. All of it is to make you better. Now, some of you I asked, I said, how many like the Hayward Loop? Some raised their hand. Maybe like, I don't like it. Those of you that don't like it because you grew up a certain way. I guarantee in another 30 years when you ask the young people, how many love the Hayward Loop? They'll go, well, I didn't know there was anything else. Because they see it one way. See, I want to let you know here this morning that God is trying to grow many of us, and I say us, out of that old school mentality. Out of that old way of thinking. God's trying to pave a new way in your life, but are you letting him? God's trying to pave down a new lane within your heart, but are you allowing him to? Or is it, no, I don't like this. Take this sign down. Take the, I don't like this going out. No, my friend, God's building you. And I want you to know something. Even in construction, it hurts. It hurts. Tell your neighbor, ouch. There's a young man in the Bible that we see his life being constructed from a young man to an average man to the king of a man. And the young man by the name of David, he comes from the shepherd's field, he goes to the battlefield, and then he goes to the royal palace. There's a construction within his life that we see that takes place that God knew every single plan throughout his age and throughout his life. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and all will bring you back from captivity And I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from a place from which I carried you into exile. Another scripture that I love is Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Years ago, I had a friend of mine. He came and he moved from Amsterdam, Holland to Los Angeles, California. And this was back, and I say I want to say around 1999, 2000. And when he moved here, you, you have to un- understand something about Holland. Holland is not that big of a country, and so it's it's a it's an okay size, but I, I don't even think it's half the size of California. It's not that big. 
But within Holland, they're very diverse because around there, there are various other countries. You have uh, Poland, you have, of course, Great Britain, Italy, all these different uh, places around there. So there's different cultures. And so because of, they have, because of the fact that they have different cultures, they have different food. Now, when he moved from uh, Holland to Los Angeles, he moved in, it was at night, and he was so excited. His name is Patrick Roberts. This is, you can ask him about this. This is a true story. That he came in, and he was so excited because he goes, man, I just moved here to Los Angeles. I just moved to California. And I'm so excited because I heard so much about the food from America. And so he's living in the UTC, and he's there in the UTC. And there's about 60 young people. And they all have dinner at the same time. So all of a sudden, they, they, they call dinner. Okay, dinner comes. And so here comes Patrick and his wife. You know, he's got his, his children there. And, uh, you know, they're excited. He's like, oh, man, I'm so excited. I've been hearing so much about your great American food. And so the chef comes out, or the cook comes out, and the cook's like, okay, you guys ready for dinner? Let's pray. They're going to pray for the food, and they, they pray for the food. And then they're done praying, and Patrick's like, hey, you know what? I'm so excited. What's for dinner? And they're like, oh, you're going to love tonight's dinner. Really? What, what's for dinner? Patrick, tonight for dinner, they're called tacos. All right, tacos. What's a taco? Remember, he's from Holland. What's a taco? Well, a taco, it's a tortilla. You wrap it up. You kind of fry it a little bit. Put some meat inside. Get a little bit of lettuce, tomato. If you want to put sour cream and, and you know, avocado, you're going to love it. He's like, oh, tacos. Great. He has a taco. He loves it. The next morning, he wakes up for breakfast. He comes down for breakfast. Everybody's down there for breakfast. He's like, you know what? That taco was great last night. But this morning, I've heard so much about your guys' great food. What's for breakfast? Oh, no, trust me. You are going to love breakfast. Great. What's for breakfast? This morning, we're going to have tostadas. <laughs> tostadas. All right. Well, what's a tostada? Well, it's a tortilla. It's flat, and you put some meat uh, uh, on top of it, get a little bit of beans, rice, and put some lettuce, and it's tostada. Oh, you're going to love it. Okay, Cool. So he has a tostada, he eats it, it's, it's good, right, it's really good. That night for dinner, now they're having dinner, all right, man, so excited, man, you guys have some, some pretty good food out here, so tonight, he asked the cook, all right, what's for dinner tonight? Oh, trust me, you are going to love this dinner. Great, well, what's for dinner? Tonight, we're going to have burritos. <laughs> burritos, well... Well, what's a burrito? Well, it's a tortilla. You kind of wrap it up, put some meat inside of it, get a little bit of lettuce, tomatoes. And... Oh, okay. All right, burritos. The next morning, he wakes up, comes down for breakfast, and he's like, okay, tell me we're not having a taco. No, 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 we're not having a taco. Oh, the... Okay, trust me. Oh, what is it? What's for breakfast this morning? This morning, you're going to love it. It's called a chimichanga. Well, what's a chimichanga? Well, it's a tortilla. You wrap it up. You fry it. Put some meat inside of it. And he's like, okay, I, I know. He goes, it kind of sounds a little bit uh, the same thing. I, I don't get it. He goes, oh, trust me, tonight you're going to love tonight's dinner. He says, well, before I eat breakfast, can you tell me what's for dinner tonight? Oh, yeah, you're going to, trust me, you're going to love it. No, 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 what's for dinner? Well, for dinner tonight, Nachos. Well, what's nachos? Well, it's a bunch of tortillas. You kind of cut it up, and you put some, you can put some meat on top. It's like, oh, my gosh. He goes, I don't understand it. He goes, you Mexicans are so creative. It's the same thing, but a different name. 
chimichangas, tostadas, burritos, tacos, enchiladas. It's the same thing, different name. Some of you, God's been trying to build you and do the same thing. He's just calling it a different thing. See, some of you right now, you think, as long as I get away from that person, then I'll be okay. No, my friend, it's going to be the same thing, just a different name, different person. Man, that person used to get on my nerves. If I stay away from her, then I'll be okay. No, my friend, God's not trying to deal with her. He's trying to deal with you. He's trying to build you. You can call it a different name. You can call it different hours of your job. You can call it, you can put on different clothes, whatever you want to call it, however it looks to you. But my friend, it's the same thing. God's trying to build you. God's trying to construct you. But it isn't until you embrace and say, okay, God, do whatever you want to do within my life. I want to recognize that you want to do something inside of me. And the moment you engage in embracing it, then you're going to see that it's smooth roads from there. But until then, like, I hate this road. I don't like this road. Why can't we do something else? Let's go somewhere else. Let's go to another church. Let's go to another ministry. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something else. You can call it whatever you want, but God's still trying to build you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's trying to build you. It's time to get under construction. And as we look at the life of David, we see how God orchestrated each and every part of his life and constructed it in a certain way. And I want to take a look at how the plans all came about for David. Now, not too far previous, before David had been anointed the chosen one in this position, there were a few events that took place within his life before he was a teenager that we see that lead up to the plans for David becoming king. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, there is a man that comes, and his name is Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, it says, So all the elders, in verse 4 and 5, of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Now without going into too much detail, this is the bottom line. Israel was being led by judges and priests. That's how they were being led. The priests were leading Israel. There was no president. There was no king. The problem with Israel is that they saw all the other nations had a king, so they wanted a king. I want to be like them. They have a king. That king looks cool, and he looks good. Matter of fact, when you go, I don't have too much time to get into it, but they did base their king on looks. They just did. He looked good. So that's what Israel wanted to do. So what they did was they got a king based on looks, and who was the best-looking one? Saul. Matter of fact, when you read the scriptures, Saul was a good-looking guy. He was a strong guy. Matter of fact, he was battle-tested, battle-ready. He was the biggest of Israel. That's why David and Goliath was a big deal. How come the king wasn't fighting? It was a big deal. It wasn't that Goliath, like the king should have fought Goliath, not a little old scrawny David, but that's another story for another day. So that's basically what had happened. But King Saul had taken Israel in a bad direction. And since he took them in a bad direction, all of a sudden, Israel started complaining. Now, they were complaining about their own choice. Kind of sounds like the United States of... We hate every president. You notice that? There's not one president that we like. Like, we vote for him, yay, and then he gets in office, and we're like, oh, down with him. Like, well, you guys chose him. Quit complaining. It's your choice. Democracy, that's the way you want it. That's what happened with Israel. The democracy, you want it, Saul, have him. He's yours. Quit complaining. I don't want this. Now, this is what I like. God always knows, and God always constructs 
every plan. Don't think for a second that God doesn't know what is taking place even within the United States of America. Don't think for a second. A lot of times we get too caught up with that. Oh, man, God, come now. God says, no, I'm building. Stop that. Quit complaining. I'm building something. I'm constructing something. I know exactly what I'm doing. Now, look with me here at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. It says, you acted foolishly. Now, this is Samuel, the prophet, talking to the prophets and the priests. It says, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. Just that scripture alone blows you away. It blows me away. Can you imagine if Israel would have listened back then, the establishment of the kingdom would have been established for all time. But they didn't listen. Israelites. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out. Somebody say sought out. Somebody say sought out. It says sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. Now what's very important here, the Bible says sought out. The word sought out in the Hebrew means ra'ah. Somebody say ra'ah. Somebody say ra'ah. It means to foresee. In other words, God foresaw King Saul taking them down the wrong path. He knew what was going to happen. But God's not worried. We're worried. God knew exactly what was going to happen. So he foresaw it, and he chose somebody even before King Saul got in position. He knew what was going to happen. He knew exactly what was going to take place. Listen, my friend, you and I must understand that God knows everything of what is going to happen before you even know what's going to happen. He foresaw, he foresaw what was taking place within your life, the trouble you're having with your body, the trouble you're having with your mind, the trouble you're having with your job. He foresaw it all. He's been constructing every part of your life as long as you're seeking him with all your heart. He knows what he's doing. I mean, what kind of father would I be if I saw my son in danger and I saw him running and he was running and there was a big old cliff and I just go, well, just let him fall. He'll learn his lesson. Wouldn't that kind of be a bad father? Like, kind of be horrible. I seen it before he did. I should do something. Hey, hey, stop. Now listen, God knows exactly what we're going through. God knows exactly what you're going through. Don't think for a second. God has chosen exactly what he has just for you. Even though you may be going through your situation, God sees it. Tell your neighbor, God sees it. See, God's way of warning you is building you. God's way of warning you is building you. He's constructing you and I even right now for something greater even later. This was true of the young boy named David. Now, from 1 Samuel 13, we jump to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. Now, what's very important is that Samuel looked at the outside, but you and I know that God does not look on the outside. He looks on the inside. Matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 13, he said, I sought after a man after my own heart. I got somebody from the inside. Somebody say inside. Then it says in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. Even though there were the sons of Jesse standing in front of him, God told him, None of those are it. Well, wait, it has to be one. It's got to be one of these guys. God said, No, I'm not looking at the outside. 
I've got something for them that I'm building on the inside. See, some of you right here, right now, you need to know something. God's not trying to construct your outside. He's trying to construct your inside. How you deal with things, how you look at things, how you handle things. My friend, that's why it's very easy for us when we look at other people and right away, because we're men, we're women, we look at the natural, we look at the outside. Oh, they're good looking. Oh, they're horrible looking. Oh, they're a great person. Oh, they're a horrible person. And God says, you can look at the outside all you want, but I'm dealing with them on the inside. I'm dealing with something on the inside. See, there was one young man, and in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, it says, so Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Now, picture with me for a second, if you will, a, let's just say 14 years old. 14 to 15 year old boy walks in a house filled with all his older brothers he's the youngest one so you got a 20 year old you got a 25 year old you got a 26 27 30 year old a 35 year old and you're 15 15 years old you walk into a room your dad's there and all your brothers and then this old man kind of walks over to you looks at you gets some oil and pours it on you. Just think about that for a second. That's a random happening. You just came in from tending sheep. You smell like sheep. You probably want to talk like sheep. Hey, what's up, dad? You know, like, <laughs> like, those are the only people you've been talking to this whole time. Your brothers have been out there fighting battles, and you're over here tending sheep. You, you probably got poop on your hands from the sheep. You got your blisters and all this stuff. And all, this, and all of a sudden, an old guy walks up to you and says, come here. You are now the king. Whoa. Whoa. Kind of like John. Here, you're going to rap a 30-hour concert. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Like I, I just, I just barely been doing some sheep right now. I've been tending some sheep. I don't. Know. But he says no. Now this is the thing. As soon as he was anointed king, you would think, oh man, look at this dude. Like you would kind of look at your brothers like, yeah, what's up, fool? I'm the man. Don't look at me like that. You know you would do that. <laughs> Imagine if somebody came up to you. And said, hey, you are now going to be the president of the United States. There is power in these fingers today. Because the, no the moment you get that position, you think power. So you would think, oh, David would go down to the local crown store, start putting on some crowns. Hey, the ooh, this fit. Oh, yeah. The oh, this is a good one right here. All of a sudden, he goes to the store, he changes his business cards. Hey, I don't want shepherd. Give me king. I'm the king. Here you go. It's the king card. It's king. Right? I've just been anointed. I'm the, I'm the man. He just, you saw that. You saw him pour the oil. I'm, I'm the man now. I'm, the, I'm in charge. No. Pour the oil. Now go back and tend sheep. Wait, wait. Hold, hold on. Something's not right here. I, you just anointed me 
to tell everybody what to do. No, 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 no. I didn't anoint you to tell everybody what to do. There's somebody that needs to speak life into you for you, what you need to do first. God wants to build your life first. See, I know many of you here this evening, God has given you promises, God has anointed you to do things, but before you get into that, let God construct you and God build you in the shepherd's field. See, some of you right now, you might feel like you are in the shepherd's field. You're all by yourself. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I tending to these sheep? And there's some things that you and I must understand that we must get when we are getting construction within our lives. The first thing that you and I must understand when we are in the shepherd's field is that when we are in the construction is that you must expect delays. Expect delays. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I hate traffic. I'm going to snitch on myself. Like my father used to say, snitch on my bad old self. I can't stand traffic. I, I, I know, believe me, I'm making the altar call. I got issues. Yeah. It's this foot. I blame it on my foot. It's the foot. It's my foot's fault. But man, I just, I can't stand delays. Especially, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but when you're driving, you're at a good pace. You're not driving real fast, but you're driving at a good pace. And then all of a sudden, you're just driving and out of nowhere. And I want to look like, whose fault is this? My gosh, don't you go, I, I know I got to get somewhere, I don't know where I got to go, but I got to get there, and you're delaying me, I hate that feeling, it's, oh, it irks me, when God is constructing you, you must expect delays, they're not easy, they're not the greatest feeling in the world, but it needs to happen within your life in order for God to build you. A lot of times we have that, why do I got to wait? Why do I have to be like this? Why, does it ha why can't it happen right now? I'm, I'm, I'm in a rush. I need to get there. But when you're in the shepherd's field, one of the things that I've learned, one of the things that I have found out when it comes to expecting delays is, number one, you get to be alone with God. Be alone with God. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to go to a youth retreat and speak uh, at a Spanish youth retreat for a whole other ministry. They asked me to come. And we were up there in the mountains. And when we were up there in the mountains, we had all these trees all over the place. It's there in Occidental. I don't know if you guys know where that is, but it's kind of past Santa Rosa, all that area. And when we were out there, I looked up at night. And I, when I looked up, I saw all these trees, and I saw the stars. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Now, I was there with a bunch of young people, but I remember when I looked up, it was like nobody else was there. I said, man. And for a quick second, I go, I'm going to count the stars. After about five seconds, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> but it was a good thought. And I can imagine David being in the shepherd's field, sitting there at night, looking up while the sheep were asleep, just talking with God. Saying, hey, God, my brother's on around. My dad's not here. So maybe you and I can have a conversation. I got a great idea, God. I, I got a good song. What do you think? I'm going to write this psalm, and somebody might get touched. Lord, you are good, and your mercies, they endure forever. The earth, it's your footstool. God, I just want to bless your name. I can imagine being alone with God in the shepherd's field, nobody else around. You know that a lot of the songs that we sing are written from David? 
They're written from him. I believe one of the reasons why is because he got alone with God. See, some of you right now, you need to get alone with God. You've got too many people giving you too much advice, not making too much sense, and it's messing with too much of your life. Why am I doing that? Why is this happening? Why is it? Well, sometimes what you need to do is when you're in the shepherd's field, get alone. Some of you, you need to go on a social media fast. Cut them all off. Cut everything off. I've done it plenty of times. We're just, you know what, now, for the next week, the next two weeks, I'm done. I don't need this stuff. And I'm telling you something, it feels great. Well, you just get along with God. Some of you, you need to cut off some of that TV. You come home and you're like, I just want to veg out. I just want to veg. I just, uh, just want to be a vegetable right now. Just, nobody talk to me. I'm going to get alone with my TV show. And so that's your alone time. And I'm going to tell you something. You can watch all the news you want, but if you're like me, when I watch the news, I get a little like, ugh. I don't feel better after I watch the news. I'm not going to lie. I actually get more righteously indignated. That's what happens to me. I'm like, man, somebody needs to do something. Somebody go save a seal right now. You know, like, (laughs) I'm going to go swim. I'm putting on a suit. We're going to save this seal right now. When you're in the field, I want to challenge you. Cut off everything. Even sometimes, listen to me, spouses. If you've got to cut off your other spouse, cut them off. Because sometimes the reason why you are getting into the predicament of where you're at, and it, honestly, it's not them, it's you. You're the one. You're the one. You know why? Because God is not the center of your marriage. And if God's not the center of your marriage, that means God's not the center of your life. But the thing is, you're thinking it's them. It's her. It's him. When really this whole time, you're like, man, how, how am I, what, what's trying to happen here? You know how God tries to get you in the shepherd's field? You know how God tries to build you? He sends a bear and a lion. That's what he'll do. He'll send a bear and a lion. So that when you're out there, you learn how to wrestle. Now, if you were here last week, we've been talking about wrestling. Now, I want to challenge you. Some of you right now, you are in the wrestle of your life. Man, what am I going to do? Some of you even right now, like with my job and with my finances, some of you are on the brink of your marriage. You're like, man, I don't know. And what's going on here? And why am I feeling like this? Why is this taking place? Some of you right now, God sent that bear and he sent that lion just for you. Now, some of you may, well, that's not right. That's not fair. No, no, no. You need to talk to God about that. Don't talk to me. Talk to God. I didn't send the bear. Don't get mad at the pastor. that's my bear sound that's as far as I can go but some of you when you get home even later today you're going to open up your mail and you're going to go oh Jesus a lion of a bill this lion devil what are you going to do you're going to avoid it let it go or are you going to say God teach me your ways your ways are not my ways See, I don't know about you, but I grew up within me. This wasn't my parents. This was within me. Whenever situations came my way, I tried to just turn my face and ignore it. I just tried to turn and say, no, if I ignore it, it'll go away. If I just close my eyes, it'll stop bugging me. If I kind of just avoid it just a little bit, she'll stop talking about me. If I just avoid her or avoid him just a little bit, they'll stop trying to hate on me. No, my friend, you're going to open your eyes, and guess what? They're still going to hate on you. They're going to hate you with your eyes open or your eyes closed. When you're in the shepherd's field, God is trying to build you. 
God is trying to show you something. God is trying to prepare you. Just like God was trying to prepare a David here. God was trying to prepare David for Goliath, but he prepared him with a bear. God was trying to prepare him for the being a king, but he prepared him with some sheep. See, never think that the things that are involved, you're involved with right now are too small. Because little by little, God is building your faith. God, somebody say, God's building my faith. Somebody say, God's building my faith. See, even though Samuel had anointed him with oil, he didn't, David didn't go and bronze the, the horn and hang it up in his tent. He didn't expect special treatment from others. No way. He went right back to the shepherd's field and got alone with God. The second thing that you and I must understand that when we are in the shepherd's field and we are under construction is that number two, you got to be able to read the signs. Read the signs. See, you and I, when it comes to God's plan, we must be the best sign language readers of all time. Can we read the signs? See, when I look at the news and I see certain things, I don't look at it and go, oh, man, that's crazy. Why is that happening? I say, man, these are signs, signs of the time. Matter of fact, I remember when I was in high school and I studied about earthquakes, and uh, I'll never forget the teacher told me this. The teacher said, when we were talking about earthquakes, she said, earthquakes are signs that the earth is stretching so i'll never forget that i was like oh okay it's just letting you know like when you and i wake up in the morning what do we do we stretch well the earth does the same thing and they're just called earthquakes and it stretches now for you and i we go oh what's going on here but for those that can read the signs something's coming something's gonna happen something's taking place See, we, we haven't had one here, but for those that were there in China, their whole life changed. We haven't had one here, but for those that were in Australia, their life changed. The tsunamis, all those different things. See, it's just news for us, but if you're not reading the signs, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss what God had been trying to speak to us about this whole time. See, some of you, it doesn't, it take, or I won't say it doesn't. You don't get it until somebody close to you dies. Then you see it. Then you think about it. Right? Let's be honest. I've talked to many people at funerals that all of a sudden I've had to do the funeral and then I talk with the brother or the aunt or the uncle or the sister and all of a sudden they're like, man, I I would have never thought that would have happened to her. Man, I'm going to stop drinking now. Now you're going to stop drinking? Okay, well, hopefully you see the sign. Hopefully you can read the sign that's in front of you because, look, it's right there. I've had to do so many funerals these past couple of months. It's like it's not even, it's, it's, there's nothing great about it at all. I had to do a funeral for a young girl that's six days older than me. She was only six days older than me. I was born on the 17th. She was born on the 11th. And as I'm doing the funeral, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that's, that could be me. I mean, it's funny because death makes you think about life. It makes you think about life. See, right now, we're like, hey, man, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But tomorrow, if you get that phone call, it's going to change your whole perspective. Changes your whole perspective. See, I got that phone call a long time ago when I was young. And I got that phone call, and it was God saying, you better wake up before you miss what I'm trying to show you. See, many of you here, you've gotten that wake-up call, but some of you, you haven't gotten that wake-up call, and you think, well, it's no big deal. I could just keep going along, and you're seeing the signs, and you keep passing them, and you're driving at night, but you're about to fall asleep, and if you don't read the signs, you're going to crash. You're going to crash. Listen, my friend, while you are here in the shepherd's field, you must be able to read the signs. Somebody say, read the signs. 
Matter of fact, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus with his disciples, you know what he was telling them? He was always telling them, can't you see the signs? Matter of fact, it says there, I believe in Matthew chapter 16, can't you see the signs? The signs are all around you. They show you that the kingdom of God is near, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Can't you see it? There were so many times, so many places that Jesus went to. Matter of fact, there was even one city where Jesus was about to go into it, and he said, I ain't going to this city. They ain't got no faith. And he walked right out. He says, because they don't see it. They don't believe. He says, I forget that. I, I'm going to go to where people can read the signs. I'm going to go, and I'm going to show up places where people can read and see what I'm trying to show them. See, when you're in the shepherd's field, you're able to hear a distinct understanding and a distinct voice. Even the Bible says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, it says, David was the youngest. The, the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep. In other words, even though David had been anointed king, he kept going back and forth. Back and forth and forth he went to the battlefield but then he also went to the shepherd's field and then he after he went to the shepherd's field his father told him hey i need you go to the battlefield and then when he went to the battlefield he said hey we need you back over here and like man why am i doing this what is going on because in the midst of all this traveling you're learning how to read signs where do i go where do i avoid what are the pitfalls that i got to look out for where, where where's the road that i got to take where's the detours who, 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 who do I got to get around? Who do I need to avoid? See, some of you here right now, you are in a struggle of, of reading the signs with even some of you, just like me. I remember when I first got saved, I had my bestest of bestest, bestest, BFS, my best friends. These are my best friends. And we grew up together. We said, yeah, we did everything together. But come to find out, we were going down two different paths. And as we were going down two different paths, our language started changing. And I started saying, hey, guys, look at this. And they go, I don't see that. Oh, no, you guys don't see it. Let's go. I don't see that. This is what I see. Open bar. Let's go. Well, I don't see that sign anymore. Well, too bad for you. So, man, we went down two different paths. The other day I get a phone call from somebody I grew up with crying on the phone. Come on, help me. I need prayer. I need help. I said, sure, what's going on? And as we were talking, as we were talking, one of the things that he said, he sounded a little bit drunk. Because when you're drunk, you say some things that are a little crazy. And he said, man, he said, you know what? He goes, I wish I would have never left the church. That's what he told me. I'll never forget that. I said, wow. Man, I wish he could have read the signs and seen exactly what I saw when we were the same age. We saw the exact same thing, it's just I took the sign and went this way, he took the sign and went that way. And now he finds himself in a predicament that he regret, like he kept, every, every other word was I regret, like every other word, I'm not joking. I regret this, I regret that. I, I, I even had to tell him, stop saying that. Stop saying you regret. Stop saying that, no, come on, God's got a plan for you, God loves you, I, I regret it, stop, like stop. If we would have just read the sign now, I want to challenge some of you right now. You got to read the signs. The third thing and the last thing that you will find when you're in the shepherd's field is that you must stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but stick to the plan. See, when David was anointed king, he could have easily said, you know what? 
uh, I'm, I'm 18 now, I'm 20, year, I'm 20 years old now, okay, I'm ready now, let, let me do it now. I said, no, you're not ready yet, stick to the plan. But you anointed me when I was 15, I'm 21 now, come on, let me do it. No, stick to the plan. Well, hurry up, why, why can't I hurry? Let me just, let, let's just go and do it. Why can't I just go and get married? Let's just get married now. No, stick to the plan. Okay, well, why can't we? I used to, I get this question all the time. Why, what, what's wrong with it? Why, I love her. Why can't we just go and have sex? Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Far too often, I see so many people, they try and they make their own plans. They say, well, man, why did this happen? Why did this take place? Because, my friend, I'm telling you, you got to stick to the plan. Temptation's going to come, but stick to the plan. Detours are going to come, but stick to the plan i know it's hard i know it's difficult but listen to me the bible says for i know the plans that i have for you not to harm you but to give you a hope and a stick to the plan this is something that you and i must understand that when we're alone in the shepherd's field it's very difficult and it's very hard it's very uh, uh, how would you say heart-wrenching and even heartbreaking we say, man, why do I feel like this? Why is this happening with me? My friend, I want you to know something. God knows exactly what he's doing with you. Now, this is the great thing that I have found. This is the great thing that I love, is that while you're on the shepherd's field and while you're in the shepherd's field and you're alone with God, even though we take the detour, that's the great thing about the shepherd. The Bible says there's a rod and there's a staff. So even when you're in the shepherd's field, there's a rod that says, hey, 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 don't do that. Stop doing that. I wouldn't do that if I were you. That's what the rod is for. But at the same time, there's a staff. And at the end of the staff, there's a hook. This is okay. Now that you've learned your lesson, come here. Come over here. Let me help you. Let's pray. Let's get alone together. I know there's been mistakes in your life, but come on. We got this. We can do this together. I know it's been a little difficult. I know you felt like veering off and going this way, but listen, it's okay. I got you. We can do this together. See, the Bible says that while you, or I, you and I are under construction, he is speaking to us daily, every day. Now, it's up to you and I to listen to that voice, but I want to challenge us. Even though it may get difficult, even though it may get hard, stick to the plan. Tell your neighbor, stick to the plan. Come on, tell him, stick to the plan. As he comes to the piano here this morning, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The great thing I love about God, this is the great thing I love. Even in the mistakes and the mishaps that I have made, God has still said, the promises are still for you. The promises are still for you. Listen to me, Victory Outreach. Listen to me, Victory Outreach heart. The word of God is alive. And the word of God is powerful. Even though you and I have been through a few things. How many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you, you've been through a few things? Now let me ask you this. How many of you, you've been through a few things that have tried to take you out? How many of you, you've been through a few things that you even felt like giving up? Okay, good. We're all in the same boat. We're all good to go. Now even in the midst of all that and you felt like, man, I just want to throw in the towel. I thought I was anointed. I thought I was giving promises. I thought this was going to happen. I thought this was going to take place. God's ways are not our ways. They're not our ways. We want it packaged a certain way. I want it like this. God says, no, I'm going to give it to you like this. I close with this. The other day, me and my wife were having a conversation. We were talking. 
And as we were talking, out of nowhere, I kind of sensed it and she sensed it too. The enemy tried to throw in what we would call a monkey wrench into our conversation. And for those of you married couples, you know what a monkey wrench is. Because you can have the greatest conversation. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you more. You're the best. No, you're the best. You're so beautiful. I know, you know. But as you're talking, even in the midst of your talking, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, oh, did you get this? Oh, no, I forgot. Why did you forget? And there it goes. And you're like, wait, whoa, what's going on here? Now, this is the great thing that I love, and I'll be open and transparent. When we started talking, uh, it, she was talking, and I was talking, too. We, we both sensed, like, wait, this is weird. Like, this is, something's weird right now. Because just not even five minutes ago, we were, like, holding hands. and Yay, praise the Lord. And the next minute, wait, what, what, what's going on here? Sometimes we have certain ways of doing things and we think if it's not done my way then forget it there's an old saying my way or the I'm gonna pick my own road what I have found especially within marriage what I'm even learning now it's not my way nor is it her way it's trying to figure out how to get on his way because I pave a certain road my wife paves a certain road and the road that we pave it has a dead end. It's just, ah, oh, we get frustrated. And I think it's her fault. She thinks it's my fault. And we are, everybody's at fault. Funny that we live on the Hayward fault. It's Hayward's fault. Look at it however you want. What I found, and even after the conversation, and I loved it. My wife was the first one to do it, and that's why I acknowledge it. She was the one that came up to me after and said, babe, I love you. I said, whoa, wait, wait, hold on. Like, I'm supposed to be the one. It's supposed to be me. No. Go back in the other room and come back. I don't want to do it. But she came to me. She did. She goes, babe, I love you. And it just like, it, you know what it felt like? It felt like there was a whole new road. I said, Wow. This is the road I like. This is the road I want to drive down. This is the road I want to go down. Now listen to me. It wasn't easy to get there. It wasn't easy. Listen to me. Some of you right now are going down a path and you feel like, man, I'm just going to give up. Just trust me. Keep going just a little bit further. You're going to get to a place and you're going to go, man, I want to go down this road. And you'll be able to look back and go, man, five minutes ago, I did not want to go down this road. Five minutes ago, I was going to put it in park, get the keys and throw them away and say, I'm out of here. I'm done with this marriage. I'm done with this job. I'm done with this. I'm done with everything. I'm done with this church. I'm done with everybody. Trust me. Keep the keys in the ignition. Keep going. And you're going to get to a place. And God's going to be right there. Say, ah, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. Some of you right now, you're under construction. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bring, brings peace to those who need it, brings joy to those who desire it, brings love to those who will pursue it. He even brings it to those who even don't pursue it. That's what I love about my God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to sing that song one more time. I just want to bless your name.
And as we sing this song, if at any time, at any moment, you just feel, you know what, I need to make an altar call right now. Some of you, maybe you haven't made one in a while because you got too many sheep around you and you got too many people around you and you're just, you're not getting alone. Some of you right now, you need to get alone. Get alone with God. I'm not saying forever and cut everybody else out, but you need to get your alone time. You need to get your alone time. You haven't had your alone time with God. Some of you just, you need to even let your boss know, hey, I'm going to take this day off. Now, for some of you, that's difficult. I got to make money. Really? Do you got to make money? Or are you going to allow God to make you as a man? And if you got to, I want to challenge some of you. I've never really challenged anybody to do this. But if you got to tell your boss, I, I need to take the day off. or Because some, some of you, you, you feel like quitting anyways. I'm going to quit. I forget this thing. I'm leaving. Leaving Hayward. I'm leaving everything. You need to just take some time off and get along with God. Spend the whole day with God. Not even the church. Don't call anybody from the church. Don't call a leader. Don't call a pastor. Just get with God. You need to get with God. And if you're in the shepherd's field right now, and if that's you, and God is building you, as we sing this song, slip out of your seat, come to this altar, and take some moments just to be with God. You could do that right now if you want to. I just want to make you glad. I just want to make you glad.